Also, welcome back to another episode of It Is What It Is Podcast. I am your host, Cody Kelly. Look, I appreciate you tuning in. But you know what? One of the ways that you can really help this podcast is by subscribing to the YouTube link below, YouTube at CV Space K. Also, the Anchor website. And we're all podcasts are Spotify, Apple, whatever your preference is, that's where the podcast is streaming. I have an amazing episode with an amazing guest. Meet Jameer Atkins, corporate professional. He's also running for public office. He's agreed for this. He's busy, so he's on the road traveling. I appreciate his time. I got dressed up for this. I wore the white shirt and the red tie just for this one. Uh, so, Jameer, with that being said, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing great, Cody. Uh, first and foremost, just thank you for extending the opportunity, and I do apologize. I'm not in my uh, home office, but um, I do apologize, but I'm glad that you still extended the opportunity. Oh, anytime, look, anytime I can have the the great, you know, I'm sure our future senator, um, <laughs> Jameer, you know, it, it is a blessing. Look, you have had um, an amazing career. Uh, you have encountered things that really uh, speak truth to volume. You know what it's like being a black man uh, in corporate America. This is Black History Month. Um, can you just share with us, touch on what is it like being in corporate America as a black man? Um, so uh, that's that's kind of a tricky question, uh, but I think the easiest way to explain it is it's an upward battle sometimes. Um, I think that uh, I was talking to a young man earlier today, um, and, you know, it's one thing to come credentialized and come with experience. Um, and that's just one of the uphill battle, but there's also a, uh, a game or I'll say Russian roulette or a game of chess to know how to play, uh, and move with, within the corporate sector, uh, as far as when it comes to, uh, your professional development, your growth, uh, with an organization, your longevity, um, and sometimes coming in. You're already behind the eight ball trying to get acclimated, and then you have to work with that. Uh, me being a sales professional uh, and working in corporate sales, working in marketing over the last 10 years, on top of that, you have a quota every month or a quarterly goal or a yearly goal. And so uh, where it is, it's very trying and benefiting. It's also very taxing because uh, I just can't come in and do my job. I have to worry about or I have to I put in concern, making sure that I hit my quota, hit my numbers, I play the quarter uh, game, and then also making sure that I do it all well with a smile. And so um, it's, a, it's, uh, it's interesting. Sometimes that's the word I like to use, interesting, to put it in one word, just simply interesting. For, uh, to follow up on, you know, that being interesting, um, if somebody were to say, you know, that's just work, uh, you know, you might be thinking too deep about it, uh, overly sensitive, you know, not focused on the task at hand, you know, what, what would you say to that person who, who says, well, you know, hey, you just put your head down and work hard, everything else will take care of itself? Um, I, you know, I would say that's true. It is. But where it becomes complicated is it's when, you see your fellow counterparts 
who are getting promoted before you, and you know you put in the work. You you work you got five days in a work week, but you work a six day because your work week starts on a Sunday. Uh, and you've done the work. You come with, uh, like me, I mean, I've been a top-performing sales uh, professional in most, just about every opportunity that I've had. Uh, and so, you know, here at 10 years in the game, 10 years in this um, corporate, corporate sector, you say, you know, I should I should have a little respect. But sometimes, I mean, still this day with 10 years, I'm still off entry-level salaries. With 10 years of sales experience, manager, uh, documentation, uh, rewards to show where I have been successful, um, and what will, and I will charge them back with the question. So why don't I get the same privilege that my counterparts may get? Some of different persuasions. I am. Um, why do I get a different um, uh, hand or deal, a different deck of cards? You know. Um, and so that's what I would respond to them as. It's, you know, it's not fair. It's uh, 2021, uh, and, you know, to be paid competitively uh, with your skill set and uh, with my, for me personally, um, yeah, you get in sales to make six figures. But I don't want to be just at six figures, but I know I put my time in. Um, and a little bit about me, Cody, I don't know if I ever showed share it with you, I started from the root and the gamble of sales. I, I started door-to-door sales, rain, snow, or sleep. Uh, and to be here 10 years in and moved all the way up uh, to a consultative sales process and more of that building relationship and maintaining and growing, establishing the business, uh, I think I put my time in. And so my question is, all, well, what makes that other person more privileged to be promoted over me? Is is it just that you feel that you're coming in uh, too low? Uh, and what I mean by that, like, do you feel that uh, when you interview, others are given the benefit of a doubt and they're kind of placed in a position to succeed and you always have to come in at the very bottom, work your way up top and hope that somebody has mercy on you during, you know, the process? Well, uh, I wouldn't say it's that detrimental, but perfect example. The larger companies I worked with, uh, one of the top three staffing firms in the world, uh, I have worked for both of the largest telecommunications companies in the United States, uh, a top-performing sales rep, year-over-year, top 10% of sales, uh, and I was brought in as a senior account executive. Uh, now, one would say that, well, Jamir, you know, you haven't dealt with the established book of business. But that's relative to what you're selling. Uh, I always tell people this. If you're selling, uh, if, you have the, if you have the demeanor and the candor to sell to executives, it doesn't matter if you're selling $1 or $10 million. You have to have it's your demeanor to sell. People don't buy from you because um, you are uh, just a, a great sale. People buy from you because you build a good rapport and relationship. And that's why we as, and, and we're trained and taught that this is ideal. You don't go in just throwing things. You build a rapport. You build a relationship. You make a conversational, very, you're, you're, make the sales process very conversational. And so when you don't see that, it's like, man, what did I miss, you know? And so, 
Yeah, I might not come in at the bottom level, but I'm coming in at the middle. Uh, and I haven't been, unfortunately, uh, I have not been afforded to come in above a senior level. Um, in the sales world, it's usually uh, entry-level sales account executive, a senior level, a major account, a major account executive, and then you go to your key account executive. Um, and I'm brought in always at that middle tier. I, I heard a, a CEO say that one of the problems in hiring and why discrimination is so prevalent is that um, because when hiring decisions are made, they're based off of candidates who have years of experience. So when you're dealing with a discriminated group that does not or has not been afforded the opportunity to have these years of experience, they're automatically excluded, whereas they should be hired based off of potential and where we think this person can be. Do you see that changing? Because it's hard if, if the qualification for the positions that you listed, say you need five to 10 years of this level of experience, but you've never been placed in a leadership opportunity. Do you feel that corporate America is ready to make that change and realize that um, there is the prototype and then there is the strategic fit type that will actually uh, win the game. Yeah, so I I don't see it changing. Uh, I am a major proponent of education and uh, either traditionally being education or you can even you know self talk. But one who attains knowledge is way better, and knowledge is how you attain it. So to answer your question directly, I don't see it changing because I see that in corporate America. Uh, as a man of color, uh, and at that uh, African-American man of color, uh, the opportunity is just not there. I think that uh, you pose as a threat. Uh, I think that uh, you dare not be uh, well put together, articulate, and intellectual, and be able to hit all three buckets uh, and think you're going to come in and make it. I think it's a subliminal way to keep uh, privilege safe. Um, and keep privilege what it is, uh, depending just because of the color of your skin, you are not afforded the same opportunities as some of your counterparts. Um, and, you know, I have managerial experience. I've been interim supervisors. I've, uh, I've worked, I've ran and managed teams of 20, up to 20 and 30 adults. Uh, and, but if you put all of your credentials out there, you pose a threat as well. Because now they're looking at, oh, this could be my potential replacement. And I think that is with anyone who is highly qualified and has the credentials. But I think it's something that we see more in a community of color uh, coming out the election just that we saw with um, Kamala Harris, uh, you know, a woman of color. Look how long it took to get there before that President Obama, a man of color. Look how long it took. Because I was always taught as a young kid growing up that the biggest threat was to be uh, an African-American man in America. Uh, and it's unfortunate that in 2021, uh, those same sentiments uh, ring through my head uh, on a daily basis. And, and this is why I think that uh, you see so many people of color. Uh, our black women are doing a wonderful job, but our black men as well. We are forced to the, uh, the idea of entrepreneurship because... From our very, uh, from our very existence, African American men, we have been oppressed. Uh, we have been uh, oppressed, suppressed, and just pressed on every side. 
uh, and we still press through it. And so uh, when we when we feel or we're against the wall, then we know what we know best. Um, as a kid, I was told something else. Uh, you put you put somebody in the heat of the fire, they're going to revert to their with best, and that's to be an overcomer, to be resilient, to be strong-minded, and to do it articul- articulate, sp- uh, spoken, and intellectually. And so uh, it's just in my DNA. I think uh, it's something that we have as black men just to be, we have to be flat-footed, and we don't have to be the angry uh, black man, but we have to be resilient and be able to articulate what we want, what we demand, uh, and we have always overcome um, in spite of systems that have been been put in place uh, to stop our growth. If, if that is true, uh, and I do believe that it is, uh, if therefore you really can't be quote-unquote successful as far as being in the position that you literally have earned um, and being forced really into the entrepreneurship route, is there therefore a problem with our education system? Are we creating uh, opportunity for disappointment when we're telling our you know young people to go to school and to get this? And obviously, like I stated earlier, I'm a proponent of education. But what we're telling them is to get a job in these settings. And if you're stating that these settings are not conducive for the development of black people, specifically people of color as a whole, and that the obstacles will basically suffocate your growth, should we be redirecting and and totally focusing on only entrepreneurship efforts? Well, what I will say, Cody, now you, you tapped into my lane exactly with that, that question. Uh, so, uh, as you know, I'm running for the school board from where I grew up at in the south suburbs of Chicago. Uh, and what I will say is uh, we have to redefine what what is a good graduate out of high school, right? Because we have a very major, a major gap that does not transfer over, uh, and this is Statistically proven through the clearinghouse that uh, we actually the retainment of African American men uh, from high school to college is I think about eighteen percent, um, and so when we look at that, we have to look at our situation and we have to say, okay, well, when you leave our doors at the high school age of eighteen or seventeen, uh, if you're really intellectually driven and you're very gifted. Uh, 16, uh, what makes you a good graduate? Uh, and I would like to say that means you're a good, predictive, productive citizen of society. See, simply, simply means that you understand that when you leave these doors, you're going to go out and you're going to have a career pathway. And I, I strongly suggest and recommend you have your four-year traditional college student. You have entrepreneurship, which we haven't put a large emphasis on, but I think that federal dollars should support entrepreneurship because before our existence of time, I don't know about you, but growing up in my household, my parents always had a side 
little thing on the side. If it wasn't Mary Kay, if it wasn't Avon, if it wasn't uh, selling encyclopedias, if it wasn't selling insurance, we always diversified uh, our economy uh, and our portfolio uh, because we understood that sustainability from our existence was not our portion in corporate America. Uh, but to get back to the other point, so you have that, or you have military or vocational trade. In the early 70s, uh, in the late early late 70s and early 80s, it was a major push for vocation and training. Uh, that has since lapsed over the last probably 25 years to 30 years where you don't see a push for vocation or trade. We have to prepare our students to come out of high school ready to go into the workforce. Some will work a corporate job, and that is okay. Some have the demeanor, the candor, the attitude, the zeal, and honestly, I'll say the simply have the endurance to deal with the corporate gamble of corporate America. But I think the main thing is that if that child does not have the, the skill set that's needed, that is required to compete, we need to make sure that they are good, productive citizens of society, that our black kids we're making sure that we're challenging um, the uh, systematic things that are done, our prison to pipeline. We have to eliminate prison to pipeline. We have to stop telling our kids the only way that you can be successful in college is get a four-year degree. No, we need to assess at an early age, especially our black men, assess at an early age and say, this kid is gifted in this area. I want you to go get a four-year degree. I support you going to get a four-year degree. But what are you passionate about? Because what happens a lot of times is it becomes a dog and pony show. It becomes uh, a chain around our black boys' neck because they go to college. There's not a large retainment rate. And guess what? They get there, and they realize, like, I don't want to do this. And then they get in debt, and so their credit is messed up. The financial literacy piece, we have to, we have to come against those social norms. Having a single-parent household, having a household where a father is not present uh, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a mother is doing all she can do or vice versa, having a father present and not having a mother present in that household and all of these emotional issues that come with that. And so... We have to prepare our kids better, that they know that they can go out and they can learn and still be productive. They can go get a trade. They can go get a vocation. They can go get a four-year degree. They can. What better way if we were preparing our kids and we were saying, hey, we're going to give you $5,000 to start this business plan. How will we change our economy? How will we put dollars back in our community, because that's what we need in today's society. Uh, the dollar goes around maybe two or three times in our community, and other communities seven to 14 times. Why is that? Because we don't understand the value of the dollar, and we're not educating our black men to understand that it's okay not to be a four-year college student and you still can be a good, productive citizen in society, as long as we're not going to the prison and we're not going to the grave to bury you or give a book, book dollars on your commentary. We have to change our mentality as well. And we have to grow and say uh, the world has moved very progressively. But us as a culture, we have been very much stagnant in what that looks like for us as a community. Now that makes sense. That makes sense. When it comes to um, this educational piece, and that's obviously one of the reasons why you're running uh, for public office, 
what do you hope to bring as far as change? You know, it's it's uh, I think a lot of Americans are burnt out on the political scheme, right? Uh, we have endured the most uh, stressful, t- um, contentious uh, presidential election ever. Uh, it feels like, uh, and now we're back in it, right? And then we have midterms coming up. Uh, so, what change do you hope to bring uh, to the desired office? Uh, well, I'm running for Rich Township, the Board of Education. Uh, let me just give you a quick backdrop. I was actually running a traditional candidate, and I got challenged on my petitions. And uh, because of some things beyond my control uh, that were done to me, I'm running as a write-in candidate. Uh, and one would say, Jameer, why would you put yourself in that 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 struggle of running the write-in candidate for something that, you know, historically, especially on the national and the state level, is not something that you see winners. Uh, but I am a strong person, as you know this, Cody, a strong person of faith. Uh, and when I was talking about just withdrawing, uh, I heard God very clearly say to me, you're going to write in and you're going to win. Uh, And now, what does that winning look like? Does that mean winning a four-year term? Maybe. Uh, I'm hopeful that that's what it means. But there's something that you're in every process to get in and get something out of it and and get something out of you as well. If I'm afforded to serve in this capacity for the next four years, I want to bring transparency. I want to bring back engagement. Um, The reason I'm passionate about education is because I understand that is the way that society has said, and until we change how we perceive it, is our way out of a lot of our situations. But making sure that we have career pathways for students of color, and especially black men and young men, that they can know that they can be successful. Also, I want to make sure that we have a, we understand, because a lot of things that happen in our community is dependent upon our taxing body. And majority of communities, your school system takes majority of your tax base. And so we need to educate our community about what that looks like. Educating our community that, you know what, being on this school board, we, yeah, we want to bring great programs for our kids, but guess what? A lot of our communities are struggling. I don't know about you, Cody, but I'm tired of going into majority uh, African-American communities, and we don't have the same resources because that some of our counterparts have. We don't have the nice high-end store. I, I, a couple years ago, I was in the running to open up a Chick-fil-A, uh, and we got through the process, got approved, and, but they said, well, where do you want to plant it? Where do you want to put your Chick-fil-A? And we said, well, we want to put it in this community that has the discretionary income. But Chick-fil-A, the franchise, did not see the opportunity in that community. So they denied our franchise license. I am tired of that. I am tired of us not getting our portion. And I want to make sure that kids of color, people, get their portion. I want to make sure that you get a fair opportunity in education, that if you have an IEP, if you have a learning disability, that we're able to provide you with the proper wraparound services and the social-emotional uh, services that you need to make sure that you're still a good, productive citizen of society. 
that we make sure that we're, we're identifying early on and building partnership with feeder schools so that by the time they get to our step at the high school level, they are on the right trajectory and we're not playing catch-up for four years. And when they graduate, they're just reading or they're able to just read on the seventh and eighth grade level that we provide more resources for family, and we really begin to stop hiring so many police and hire more social workers and more therapists to be in our schools to help with some of these social-emotional issues because people are hurting. Uh, one thing that you brought up is this last election, over 100 million people, the largest turnout in the history of these in modern-day uh, America turned out to cast their vote. Why? Because people are tired. But people are also tired of not being able to be at the table and be productive when they get to the table. And I believe if afforded the opportunity that I will help those get at the table and when they, they get at the table that they can be productive and they can move up the upper, upper trajectory and they can do whatever they want to do. If it's working in corporate America, if it's vocational trade, if it's entrepreneurship or if it's military. They can do whatever they want to do, and they can walk away proud, and they can say there was an investment that was put in me years ago, and now I am reaping the benefits of those investments. Because that's what you hear in a lot of the influence communities. I had a great high school experience. They set me up really well for college. I went to college. I did that. But you hear very few people talk about they prepared me to go into a vocational trade. They prepared me to go into... Uh, the workplace right after high school. And now is the time more than ever. Uh, even some of our corporate companies, our larger companies, and you know this, Cody, probably as well, they're saying, you know what? We've hired a lot of people with degrees. But you know what? What are the transferable skill sets that is transferable to make sure that we can have you both in our community, and our community, and when I say our community, our workplace, and do well? It's time to change the way that we do business because business is definitely changing for us. That's true. I um, I, I totally agree. I think that if there's not a major shift in how we cultivate the next generation when it comes to understanding what expectations are and how to design them to actually service the economy of the future, uh, we will literally be left to hospitality jobs only. And there's nothing against hospitality jobs, uh, but those are the first ones to always go. Um, but I, I totally, I, I totally believe in that. Uh, are you in support of a fifteen dollar uh, federal minimum wage? And if so, um, what do you say to the small business owner uh, that has a very uh, tight budget and, and can't afford the overhead to say that they have to pay their workers a minimum of fifteen dollars an hour? Whew. Okay, so I am, I am in, in support of an increase. Is it fifteen dollars? It could be, but honestly, looking at it, to say that it's going to take five years to get us here in the state of Illinois at the fifteen dollar minimum wage, we're going to need more help from the federal government. We're going to need more dollars and more support because, true enough. This will put small business and mom and pop shops out of business. They cannot contain it. And so it's wonderful that it's coming from a federal level that is being supported, but we have to think about the entrepreneurs. 
we have to think about it because what I will say, Cody, is I believe that this is a major shift into eliminating the modern-day middle class. A lot of our wealthy, we, gener- we a lot of our wealth has been generated, and I say our people of color, is through entrepreneurship. Uh, of course, you have a few, a handful or a couple thousand that may have done it from working in corporate America, but a lot of our successful mom and pops, the barbecue shops or the Harold's Chicken or uh, the mom and pop shop that had you doing that or the marketing firm that you went and you supported because it was a black-owned business or our black sisters who uh, have been doing hair uh, from the existing time uh, have been our legacy has been supported in small and medium-sized businesses. So my question is always, what does that increase look like? That's a major question mark for me because I understand, well, it will impact the middle class. It's going to impact uh, – I I, I, I'm into real estate. I'm into a lot of things. And one thing that I look at here in Chicago, you know, if you want anything that's decent in a decent halfway decent area, you're going to pay close to a half a million dollars. And where that that is middle class salary. That's a middle class person or a two income household. And where are you seeing that at? So we are slowly, slowly with doing these pay increases, we're slowly destroying the middle class. And we have to find a way of sustainability and providing resources. Maybe it's making sure that our young people understand about multiple streams of income. Maybe it's educating our children differently and saying, hey, you can you can actually be an attorney or a doctor or a lawyer and still have a side job uh, that's legal. You can actually, or you could be a maintenance man and still have it because we have to make up for the difference. Because if you don't make up for the difference, you're taxing the middle class out the door. Uh, and to get rid of the middle class, it's going to become the world of the have and the have-nots. Uh, we watch the show on TV all the time, but it's a reality that I think is very much closer than what me and the average person are uh, looking at it, or not me, but the most average person looking in and saying they're not even realizing that this is an attack on the middle class. And unfortunately, it's scary for America because America was built on the back of middle class people. No, that's absolutely true. I Sometimes when I think about it, um, and you're absolutely right, if you want to live anywhere safe and decent, it will cost you about a half a million dollars in uh, Chicago, at least 300000 right? Like, you're not going to get some, you know, uh, good neighborhood, good school district, you know, for $50,000, you know. So, obviously, $15 an hour, you don't, you're not even in the same lane, right, <laughs> or same uh, hemisphere. Uh, do you, therefore... Uh, support proposals like Yang with the uh, living wage. The you know government should provide all of the citizens citizens two thousand um, dollars a month per adult. I do. I I believe that it can be done. I believe that it's a feasible option. I believe that we've seen other countries do it, and it it, it, it says something about these united. And I put an emphasis on united states of America that we can live in a society where we have such a high percentage of poverty and homelessness. We have such a high percentage of people that are struggling to make ends meet, and we're supposed to be the wealthiest country in the world. 
It says that the world is this country and this and this economy, uh, this capitalist society is not designed for everyone to win. It's not designed, and so you have to come to the term, where do I fall? Uh, because there are people in our history, when we look at it, that, that just knew, you know, I'm going to live off of this little money for, for 60 years. I'm not going to eat right. I'm not afforded the opportunity. I can't get the best doctors. Uh, I can't get any of these things because I, I don't have the money. And, and then you just they're susceptible to it. And then it, that's another, it's like a, a snowball effect. It just keeps on rolling over and over and again. And it's like, so when is the day going to come when America stands behind people who built the con- this country and, and they give it just enough to, not, some people can't even pay their mortgage. I mean, the, right now the going rate for rent in Chicago is at a minimum $900. And that's in the, uh, the hood. The, the real, the, the real hood, living, the real hood, the real hood where you got to be careful getting out of your car. And I, I jokingly say this, but but we spending $300,000, you still got to worry about somebody breaking in your car or hijacking you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's, 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 it's desolate times. America needs to step up and take care of its people. Um, we cannot longer sit back and say we're going to give all these rights empowerment, but we're still going to allow homelessness. It's enough money to go around. There's enough. I mean, I'm a trillion-dollar company. Uh, do you know how many lives you could change with not a million if you gave them $100,000 just to kickstart their lives, if you invested $100,000 in mental health to get people back on the right trajectory. If the church, now you know I am, I don't disown faith and I am a minister of the gospel, but the church got to get back in the, in the fight and we have to demand that this country do more. We have to have these social organizations get back in the fight and say that we deserve more and we're not going to leave the table until we get what we can't for. Yeah, you can't pay us our reparations. You can't pay us for what we did. But you know what? You can't make it right, but you can start changing now. And this is why I am running for public office, because I don't want to be the voice that everybody claps to, but I want to be the voice that makes cause people to think, realize, and are charged. Because it's one thing to empower my voice, but when I empower 10,000, I am way stronger than my one voice. And I'm profoundly reminded of the scripture. He said one can put 1,000 in flight, two can put 10,000 in flight. And so we got to put our voice to put things in flight so that we can start changing our community. We got to come more unified, and our black brothers, we got to come together, and we got to support each other because we are still behind the eight ball. There's more prisons than built for prisoner pipeline, then more loans and grants being written to change our community. They're just, it's just not there. Awesome. That, that's uh, a mouthful. And I, I appreciate it. Uh, Reverend Jameer, uh, Jameer, where, where can they connect with you? You're running for office. Where can they support you, donate to your uh, campaign and get you elected? Man, you can go to www.jameeratkins.com. That's J A M A I R Atkins. A T T K I N S dot com. Or you can go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Look up Jameer Atkins. I don't have. I got a my name, y'all. I really am. <laughs> I really am as black as I sound. But 
You can go to all social media platforms at Jameer Atkins, and you will find me. Uh, please, please, if you live in Rich Township, I am begging, pleading, and pleading even more that you go out and vote for me on April 6, 2021. But you can do early voting, March 22nd through April 5th in the Matson Community Center and also in the Village of Park Forest. I need you to write in Jameer Atkins so that we can get more like-minded people on there. And if you have any questions, please go to my website or find me on social media. Awesome. Look, guys, connect with Jameer. He's running. We need people of good conscience, of good vision, of integrity in public office. He wants to change the system and be the change that we all want to see. I want to thank him uh, for all of his help. Jameer, thank you so much for being on here, man, brother. You know, I appreciate you. Go support him. He is a gift to humanity and a gift to just everybody. Until next time, guys. Thanks. Hey, what's up, everybody? You like what you saw? Were you entertained? Were you informed? We want to keep seeing amazing content. Subscribe at the link below. YouTube, CV Space K. You connect where all podcasts are streaming. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor. Connect with me. I want to connect with you. Let's enjoy the ride.